Welcome to the ShakeOut Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Van Buskirk. We're now less than five weeks out from the start of the Tokyo Olympics. And to celebrate, we're bringing you a mini-series called the ShakeOut Podcast, Olympic-Bound Canadians. Each week, I'll sit down with some of our country's best runners who are, in all likelihood, heading to Tokyo. Each episode will focus on a different event group and sex category. We'll chat about athletes' preparations for the games, their goals, and other exciting storylines to follow. Our second episode features the men's marathon with Cam Levins, Trevor Hoffbauer, and Ben Preisner. Tristan Woodfine, who also had Olympic standard in this event, appealed his non-selection to the team, but was rejected last week, meaning that our three guests today are guaranteed a spot on the Tokyo start line. So for our second episode of our Tokyo series for the ShakeOut podcast, I am thrilled to be joined today by our three confirmed members of the men's marathon headed to Sapporo, Japan in August to compete at the Olympics. We have today on the call Trevor Hoffbauer, Ben Preisner, and Cam Levins. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys. It's a true pleasure to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, happy to be on here. Maybe we can start by uh, just asking each of you where you're at. Ben, where are you joining us from today? Yeah, so I've been up in Flagstaff for a little over a week now and I'm going to continue training here for about five more weeks until we head to Gifu City for the AC holding camp. So this is my my location for the next uh, month and a bit and just enjoying the altitude and the, the weather up here. I know that Cam and I are going to be joining you shortly as well. But Cam, in the meantime, where are you at right now? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, home in Portland still. Um, and yeah, I'm going to Flagstaff for uh, June 28th. Um, and uh, I'm here for another week and then I'm out. Awesome. And I, from everything I've heard, Flagstaff is like supremely hot right now, which will be great preparation for all of us heading into uh, Japan. But I'm sure that'll be also um, maybe a challenging change from Portland camp. Has it been hot in Portland or have you guys had typical like rainy weather? No, it's been really warm, actually. Really, really warm. Um, I mean, I'm sort of keeping track of everything in Fahrenheit, but uh, this week it's been all mid-80s, 90s. It's going to be in the hundreds um, over the weekend. So it's been warm. Um, but uh, I've been doing some other heat prep as well um, outside of just the regular weather. Unfortunately, it's kind of humid here too, so that's helpful. But I'm sure Gifu will be the place to really get ready in that regard. Yeah, I was going to say that's a blessing and a curse. Normally, that's like the worst thing to train in. But when you're preparing for what we're all preparing for, I think it's probably good to get a jump start on it. Trevor, you're the only one who's not going to be coming up to flag. Where are you at right now? And uh, how are things going wherever you are? Yeah, I'm in Calgary. Uh, it's, it's an extremely high city. So getting those altitude benefits that are greater than Flagstaff. <laughs> just kidding out of curiosity how high is calgary because everyone i talk to has a different idea of what the altitude is there 1000 meters on the dot okay and for those of us who measure altitude in feet do you know what that conversion is i think it's 300 3000 yeah yeah okay that's what i thought okay so you got a little bit of altitude a little bit of heat you're 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 making do with what you got that's good (laughs) and will you plan to be in calgary until uh gifu as well Yeah, I'll be staying here until we head out to Japan. Awesome. 
Guys, I should have said this right off the bat, but congratulations to each of you, because although you were named uh, sort of, I guess, officially to the team about two weeks ago, there was an appeal put forward by Tristan Woodfine, who is uh, now going ahead as the alternate. Um, and that appeal was, of course, denied just a couple of days ago. So it must feel good to know that for sure, all the three of you are going to be our men's marathoners in Sapporo this year. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, and I want to make sure that we're we're getting into all of it. But maybe just to start, uh, I'll go back and just review quickly how each of you did qualify for this team, and then we can get a little bit more uh, into some of those stories from each of you. So Trevor, you, of course, have been, you've been named to the team for about a year and a half now which is probably the only time that's ever happened for an Olympics. That must feel pretty odd. But you ran that 209.51 at the Canadian Olympic trials in Toronto all the way back in the fall of 2019. And in doing so, you cinched your spot as the for sure member on this team. And then back in December of 2020, Ben, you ran that 210.17 at the Marathon Project in Arizona in what I believe was your like debut official marathon, right? I know you had. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, correct. I, I did a solo time trial once uh, London got canceled in April. Uh, but other than that, uh, the marathon project was my first actual marathon. And then, of course, Cam Levins, our Canadian record holder, um, running that 209.25 back in 2018. That was not within the qualifying window. But then you pretty much, I think, on what was what was it called? The last chance, last day to qualify for this team ran 210.14 in Austria. And maybe you can remind us of the date of that because it was so recent. Uh, yeah, that was uh, May 23rd. So I had a week left in qualifying. Yeah. So three totally different stories from you guys. I mean, we've got everything from Trevor a year and a half ago to Cam, you know, a month ago. Maybe we'll start and just go back to Trevor. You've known for so long that you're in all likelihood going to be on this team. Of course, the thing you didn't know when you crossed that finish line in Toronto, and I know we had you on the podcast right after, right after that performance, was that you were going to have to wait so long to actually get yourself to Japan and get on that start line. So what has, this is a huge question, I understand, but like in general terms, what has the last year and a half been like for you? And maybe, maybe we'll narrow that down to when you found out the games were going to be postponed. Like that was a total shift for you, I'm sure, in terms of what your preparation looked like, how you were going to stay excited. Where's your head been at since then? And how have you been able to stay motivated and excited with with such a huge delay? Yeah, I've just been staying pretty level-headed with everything. I've just been focusing on the day-to-day process and making sure that I'm sticking to the schedule. Like when things got postponed, of course, it derails your training program. But basically, I just like shifted everything a year forward. And then I just filled in the blanks going backwards. So there was like World Half was coming up in October of 2020. And then from there, you knew that like 2021 was prep for the Olympics. So like compared to Cam and Ben, like you guys recently qualified, I've had to filter these opinion-based questions for the last year and a half on if I thought the Olympics was going to happen. Holy smokes. (laughs) Like you guys can stay for yourselves if you guys have had to filter that. But like, man, I just can't wait for the Olympics to be here so those questions are just done with <laughs> you're the authoritative voice on this you're the one who, who have, must have all the information if it's going to happen or not yeah exactly oh boy 
<laughs> a little tiring at times. Well, yeah, I was going to ask, like, has that been tiring and and like draining for you emotionally to to not only know for so long that this thing is coming, but like, first of all, will it come? And second of all, if it will, you know, it's going to be severely delayed. And then having, you know, everyone ask these questions of you as the person who really was one of the only Team Canada members named so early, like, what's that been like in terms of your preparation emotionally? Yeah. And it's, I'm not necessarily like throwing shade in anybody's direction or so, because I know a lot of people are just curious. Um, but like being in Calgary, there's not a whole lot of other runners who are qualified for the Olympics, especially like marathon. I think I'm the only Cal- Calgarian marathoner ever named to, to a team. So there's like a lot of curiosity there. But yeah, it's like I have my auto reply set on my on my emails right now because I'm done with it as of right now. I'm just like over. So it's like just slowly accumulated and now I'm like a little burnt out from it. It'll feel especially good, I'm sure, to just uh, yeah get to Japan, get into Sapporo and get ready to get on that start line. It's been a long time coming. To know for that long that you're you're qualified and then to have to kind of go through all that that process, I'm sure hasn't been easy, but it'll feel especially thrilling to get there. Mm-hmm. So Ben, you qualified back in December of 2020 at the Marathon Project. Maybe take us back to that because, you know, again, for our audience, the qualifying standard is 2.11.30, but we're in such a huge resurgence of both men's and women's marathoning in Canada right now. I would imagine that going in, you knew you'd probably have to eclipse that standard by, you know, a decent amount to get on the team. What were your goals going into that Marathon Project, especially with it being your first official full marathon? What did you feel going in? And then what was it like crossing that line, having accomplished such an awesome time? Yeah, I mean, it was, there's definitely a lot of unknown variables going into it. Um, You know, like I said, I had kind of a three quarters of a build maybe going into London before it got canceled. um, London 2020, that is, in April. And then, so I kind of had a little bit of building blocks from that, but the general sense was that, you know, it is going to be a lot of unknowns and I just got to roll with the punches as, you know, mileage hits my legs and longer workouts hit me differently and stuff like that. So really it was just a matter of taking it one step at a time and just kind of trusting the training that my, my coach Rich laid out for me. And so, yeah, I mean, I had a really good build and I was pretty confident and I, I, what I kind of told my coach and some friends that were close to me was that I was very confident that I could get through. Well, to backstory that, I guess the, there was pacers going out in 209 flat and 21130 for the marathon project. And so in my mind, I thought 21130 was not going to cut it for this team, especially that Tristan had already run 21051 or something like that, 21052. Um, so I knew pretty much someone was going to have to run faster than that because there's so many guys taking a stab at that. So really the plan for me was to run faster than 21050 because I knew that, you know, it's almost like the benefit of being in a second heat almost. You get to chase the carrot a little bit. So that just kind of meant that I had to try and pick my pace and go with the group that was in 209. Um, so I, that's where the story kind of started there was I kind of told my coach, I was pretty confident I can get through 209 pace in maybe 18 to 20 miles, but then that last 10 K is kind of an unknown and it's really damage control. So, um, that was kind of the goal all along was to go out with the, the group, you know, giving a little bit of leeway to myself to, listen to my body and, and adapt for the race, um, as it comes. But yeah, it was really just a matter of sticking in it. And, uh, I managed to just keep clicking away and, um, 
was pretty pretty happy with how I was able to deal with the last 10k there and uh, I think there's still lots to to build on from that and I'm really excited for how I've adapted my training and uh, even just the my mental approach going into the Olympics rather than my debut marathon it's it, it is only my second real marathon but I am excited to really um, see the stepping stones in terms of progress. Awesome. Yeah. And I want to come back to that because that's a pretty huge statement that the Olympic marathon will be your second marathon ever. You know, I'm sure there's, as you said, a lot still to learn. So we'll come back to that. But one of the other things I'm curious about with the tactics of this qualifying period, after running that great time in Arizona, that 21017, you know, obviously you surpassed your goal of, of running faster than Tristan, but there was still, you know, months left in that qualifying window. What was the plan from there? Had you guys talked about doing another build for like a spring marathon to try to run faster was the goal at that point like just to hope that you your performance was fast enough to get you on the team and start preparing for Sapporo what what was the plan yeah I mean I think everyone every runner no matter what discipline you're in kind of has that feeling that you know who knows what was going to happen over the past few months in terms of when races were going to be available what races are going to get canceled what restrictions are going to be in place in terms of traveling all that kind of stuff so for me going into the marathon project, my mentality was that this is my shot. I mean, I, maybe I would be able to find a spring marathon, but again, I, it was my debut. So all these really selective races, were they going to let me in and that kind of stuff. So really in my mind, I thought, you know, the marathon project was a really good uh, shot for me and I had to take advantage of it. Um, and then going out of that, I mean, I was pretty happy with my time. Um, I think that there was still a lot left on the table just in terms of preparation and even just the way I go about the race um, to find some more seconds there. And so, you know, I was carefully looking at it, but, uh, you know, there are very few races, especially in North America over, you know, February, March and April. And I'm sure as Cam can attest, it's hard to find those races. So in my mind, it was just a matter of kind of wait and see. Um, and then we kind of had a, a very distant thought was that worst case scenario, I know I'll be semi-fit come late May. Maybe I'll be able to take a last dish shot if I need to under the worst case scenario kind of thing. So for me, it was just a matter of staying positive, keeping focused on myself. And then, uh, you know, if I have to adapt, I have to adapt, but uh, just being confident and, and pleased with what I was able to put down in December. As a mid-distance runner who has the great luxury of being able to race far more frequently and actually like wait out and see what people are doing right up until the last day, I got to say, I can't imagine the nerves that, you know, accompany this kind of planning, uh, particularly with COVID. I mean, that's hard in, in the easiest of times, right? You, you can't just jump in a marathon the next day just because someone ran faster, but particularly as you're describing when there are so few opportunities Cam, you threw a wrench in a whole lot of people's <laughs> ideas of what was going to happen this year. I think uh, this was a real surprise for many in the running community to see you come through with, you know, what was it, a, a less than a week left to qualify and run that awesome 2.10.14 in Austria in late May. Talk us through it. Like, you know, I know you had had a bit of a tough time coming out of that Canadian record back in 2018. Uh, I believe you dropped out of London. And then I think you finished uh, about two minutes behind Ben at the Marathon Project. Then to come back months later and, and pull out this awesome performance. So it's been a real roller coaster. So yeah, what's that looked like for you? Well, yeah, I mean, it's been kind of a tough time since that first marathon. Um, I had like switched coaches since that first one too, um, to Jim Finlayson. 
And um, from there, I felt like I was in a much better spot, um, at least with consistency of training. I was kind of, I kind of felt like beforehand, um, you know, when things were going well with training, it was all easy. But as soon as like things got tough, I was kind of coaching myself. It's a little difficult to keep on things and keep positive. And so um, I felt really good about things um, since working with Jim. And that was the end of 2019 is when I started with him. I felt like I kept getting really fit into all these different builds and these marathons that I was trying and just completely falling apart round 35K in these things, um, like feeling great and then just tanking not really able to figure out exactly why and especially after um arizona i was particularly <laughs> devastated coming off of that because that was truly um i mean london i was going out pretty quick and and you know it was really crappy weather and so i was just like well you know it could have been any number of things really um but arizona i felt like i was in really good control gave my wife the thumbs up as I was coming through one of the last bottle stations. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm good to go. And then suddenly, you know, within a kilometer or two after that, I just completely, you know, could barely even move anymore. And I, I mean, I honestly barely got to the finish line, um, at Arizona. And so that was, that was pretty tough, tough to come to grips with afterwards and just figuring out what, you know, what I was doing wrong. And I felt like we really sorted it out. Um, we switched around my fueling leading up to the race, leading or actually in the race as well. I switched back to lemonade from Martin. Um, and, you know, my one successful marathon felt like I needed to go back to what worked in that one. And yeah, and just like, you know, combining some old stuff and training with some of the things that Jim and I were doing now. And I just felt like I was in a really great spot, but it was you know, still difficult to know because training had been going well into these other ones and I still was falling apart. And so I felt pretty good after having a good time trial in the half marathon, you know, about a month before Austria, um, especially just because I went out at a similar pace, even as my previous one and just felt so much stronger for the second half and late in it, I felt like I was able to push well. So I thought it was a good sign, but you know, that stress that's still hanging over you. And uh, when I got to about, you know, 35K in Austria, finally that stress kind of lifted. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to make it to the end of this. And that was really, really emotional moment for me. And, you know, it felt like everything was going against me in this race in Austria. I had these two pacers going out. We're supposed to go out to a two and nine pace. Uh, I was supposed to go 25K and 30K. Uh, the first guy drops out at five kilometers. Um, and we're not, we're not even on pace at this point. And so, uh, the next guy, you know, I'm, he's looking at splits on his arm, like we're going the correct pace and we're not, you know, um, <laughs> but I'm like, I, I can't take over too, too early. I need to use them for at least a little bit. I'm by myself here. And finally, um, I think about 17 or 18 to 18 K in, I went past a bottle station and I just like sort of flew past him when he was grabbing his bottle. I'm like, I think this is, this is it. I, I can't, you know, hang around anymore with him. And he even came back and tried to go back in front of me again. And I'm like, get out of here, get out of my way. <laughs> I'm finished with this. And so, yeah, it was, you know, it was a tough final 25 K, but kind of like what Ben was saying earlier, um, I knew, I really knew this was my only shot. You know, there's no, there's no running another marathon a week later. Um, so it was kind of like whatever adversity comes, got to deal with it. And so um, I really finished that race in Austria being like, I'm really proud of what I've done. And whether I'm selected to the Olympic team or not, you know, I, I feel in a really positive place. 
And um, yeah, thankfully I'm going to the Olympics again, but um, uh, I'm just very happy with my situation now. That's awesome. I like what you said there about coming out of it feeling like whether you were selected or not, you were really proud of your performance on the day. I think that's something that sometimes we can get away from when we're all trying to qualify for something really huge because we're so outcome oriented that you can kind of get away from the process. But it sounds like you were able to, you know, really feel proud of what you accomplished on the day. So I'm I'm thrilled for you that it actually got you a berth on the team. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> So, uh, Trevor, I want to go back to you and talk a little bit more about what preparation has been like over this time. And maybe we can get into some of the specifics here with each of you of how you're preparing specifically for Sapporo. Again, you've had the most time where you've known that you're going to be on the team. And um, I'm sure like like anyone, some ups and downs, both with motivation and you know the, the physicality of it and everything over the last year and a half. And maybe you could give us some highlights from that, but also how you've been preparing um, in terms of what the heat's going to be like and, uh, you know, just making sure that you're ready for the conditions on the day in Sapporo. I guess as we touched base earlier, like most of our heat acclimation will be taking place over in Japan and you only need that like two week time period. But out here, haven't been really doing like too much heat, like exposure stuff, like the winter in Canada and not the warmest. That's kind of tough to kind of get in that warm, those warm conditions. And then right now, I've always dressed pretty warm. So even if it's like 15 degrees out, I have my toque on with my mittens and long sleeve shirts with like just full tights. And you're running past dudes on the pathway with their shirts off and you're just like completely polar opposite. So you get these weird looks and whatever. And you're just like swim buckets. Your face is like pure red, like a tomato. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, some pretty good views. But outside of that, yeah, I haven't been doing too much. Just trying to keep my internal body temperature up on a day-to-day basis. Like even right now, it's probably 25 degrees in my bedroom here and wearing a long sleeve. So yeah, just little things like that and enjoying warm baths. Yeah, nothing like too science specific on a day-to-day basis. Like with training, just trying to get as fit as I can going into Japan. And then once we get there, we'll get adjusted to heat and then everything I think will just fall into place. In terms of your goals, I'm so curious what that evolution has been like. And I don't know if they've changed, but when you crossed the line in Toronto in 2019, knowing that you, again, had pretty much just punched your ticket to to Japan, did you have a sense at that point or soon after of what your goals might be once you actually got there? And then how have they changed or evolved with this year delay and with all this extra time to both prepare and then kind of maybe psych yourself up or psych yourself out in between. Um, I'm curious what that evolution of, of the goals has looked like if, and if they've changed at all. Yeah. Mine, mine have stayed, stayed the same ever since Toronto. Um, they're pretty lofty. I want to do well. And I know that. Can, can you tell us what doing well looks like to you? No, no, <laughs> sorry. <Okay. laughs> that stays with me. You'll find out after. Yeah, I, I want to do well. I want to perform well, but I also know that the world around me is getting better. So I've just been focusing on getting better myself and not being complacent with my training, like still pushing limits and I'm still trying to improve. So uh, I think my goals are, yeah, goals are lofty, but they're attainable. Can I ask if they are time-based, place-based or something else? Placement. Placement. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I don't have a time goal at all. It's just all placement. Sweet. Well, that'll be fun to uh, check back in with you afterwards and see if you've if you've achieved your secret goal. Top three. Top Just three. Kidding. There you go. <laughs> Come away with the medal the first time. Why not? Go big or go home. I like it. Exactly. 
Ben, again, you, you know, you talked a bit about um, just really sticking with with the focus and making sure that you were doing everything right in the months intervening since uh, since that race in December. And you've also, you know, if anyone who's been following your career, you've had a lot of success across a lot of different distances, particularly with like the Canada Running Series uh, elite virtual events, dropping down to, you know, those, those shorter like 8K races, um, really good half marathon. What has training and preparation looked like for you over the last couple of months, especially as you said, knowing that you're going in, um, I would say like the relative newcomer to the distance in Canada uh, with this only being your second marathon, what's that preparation look like? Yeah, it's been it's been pretty interesting. I mean, honestly, pretty similar mentality that I had going into the marathon project where we had quite a bit of a long view going into it. So my coach's mentality with me was that we'd like to build kind of that 8K to 10K fitness, then kind of move on to that half marathon fitness and then start incorporating marathon training after that. So it's been relatively smooth and we've been able to pretty much tick off the weeks as, as we've been, uh, been progressing here. Um, and as you said, some of that just involved, you know, time trialing with the, the virtual series and, um, with the Canadian running series, which has been great just as a little extra carrot, just to throw, throw my hat in the ring with, with some other guys that are, that are running in Canada. So, um, that has been great for the, the past few months. And then basically, maybe 14 weeks out to 12 weeks out is when we started to really start to incorporate more marathon-esque workouts. Um, and then, so, you know, now I'm, I'm pretty, pretty well into the thick of it right now, especially up in Flagstaff now. So yeah, training's been pretty good. And like I said, I've been able to learn from my past build and my past, whatever you want to call it, three quarter build from the previously canceled race. So, um, you know, it's still a big learning process. I don't think I'll ever stop learning. And I think that's a really important thing. You know, if, if I'm on my 10th marathon in my career, I, I still hope that I'm learning to build different aspects into it. Cause I think that's one of the main ways that you can get better as an athlete. So yeah, just taking it kind of days, day at a time, week at a time, and, uh, just keep clicking it off and focusing on what I can control. This may be a difficult thing to answer until you've actually done it, but I'm curious about, again, the mentality of going into, you know, your second ever marathon as sort of the pinnacle of, you know, athletic performance, um, and this being a big championship race, because some people would have a ton of experience with the event heading into this and maybe even other sort of like world championship or other sort of major championship experience, but that's not the case for you. I'm wondering how you're feeling about like this being such a huge stage for your second ever race. And if you prefer, if you'd had more like opportunities to run the distance beforehand, or if you think it's going to be an opportunity just to kind of like learn everything you can in a championship experience um, so early on in your career. Yeah, no, I mean, I think from where I am right now, honestly, the mentality going into 2020, because I knew it was an Olympic year was, you know, I don't know if I really could have run a marathon that much sooner than I already did or was planning to anyways, other than maybe the trials was maybe in the realm of possibility, but I had just graduated university in that summer. So to flip over you know, uh, some Canadian athletes like Rory Linkletter, who's my age, did do it. Um, but for me, it just wasn't in the the thought process because I was focused on the 10K and cross country that season. So for me, honestly, 
I don't think I really had very much time to even try and get more marathons under my belt before this year. So for me, I kind of went into 2019 and 2020 as I'm going to go for the standard. I might as well. And, you know, if I come up short, I come up short. There's lots of other times to run a marathon. Um, but yeah, I mean, so in terms of I'm, I'm happy with where I am, I'm really excited. I mean, obviously, like I said, I, I think every marathon that you run, you learn a little bit more. So I think there's only more to come in terms of um, experience. But I, I'm very excited to to just build off of what I already put down um, for my debut. And I think it's uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see how far I can take it. Um, and, you know, obviously want to take steps, but also want to be realistic in, in my thought processes. And yeah, just just take it as it comes. So on that note, are you going to be secretive like Trevor with your uh, your goals for Sapporo, or can we get a little teaser of what you might be aiming for? Yeah, I mean it's kind of tricky. I, I I have I've done a lot of visualization and all that kind of stuff, just thinking in my head what I think would be realistic. But I think um, it it is kind of tough to to really know what the goals are until maybe a couple weeks out. I know what my training blocks were like, how I was feeling, and all of that. But um, yeah, I mean. You know, I see other Canadians that have been in the marathon before, like Eric Gills getting tenth, and you know Reed and Dylan getting the the top thirty, top twenty range. Um, so you know, I, I just want to be competitive and really put my best foot forward. I mean, I got two great guys that'll be in the race to to chase and um, key off of as well. So I think just having Trevor and Cam in the race as well will help just gauge myself and. Uh, so, I mean, long story short, I don't know if I really have a specific placing and definitely not a specific time in mind right now, but uh, I mean, really just want to represent Canada and place as high as I possibly can. I want to come back to that bit about having your Canadian teammates in the race as well. You know, we'll talk about the resurgence of uh, of, of this event on the men's side in a minute, but Cam, again, you're the one who's going to have run a marathon probably closest to this event than anyone having just done one at the end of May. I'm curious now, like, you know, you ticked off that goal, you hit the time, you've now been named to the team with sort of a, I guess, maybe compressed timeline now leading up to Sapporo. What is training looking like for you, um, both physically and mentally in terms of your preparation heading in? Um, well, fortunately, I have come out of Austria really well. Um, I was running within a few days after the race. Um, and for whatever reason, it's been the least sore I've been coming out of a race. So I'm really pleased about that. We um, were able to get back into pretty regular marathon training like a couple weeks afterwards. I mean, I've already done some workouts like 25 to 30K of uh, repeat volume. So I'm actually in a really good spot as far as that goes. It is interesting from a mental side, kind of like uh, refocusing again on another marathon kind of so soon. And I mean, there's been so much focus on trying to make the Olympics that, uh, you know, I haven't given too much thought about the actual Olympics themselves for a while. It's just been about trying to make the team. And so it, it's been uh, fun to come to terms with that and um, try and sort of think about uh, how I want to race it and uh, how well I think I can do. Um, but yeah, I feel like I'm in a great spot actually. And uh, I'm really um, looking forward to getting up to Flagstaff the altitude and uh, train with Ben some. So, yeah. So this will be um, another Olympic experience under your belt. But of course, the last time you were at the games, you were not a marathoner. 
Um, I'm wondering if there's anything to draw on, given that the events were drastically different. You know, everything about I'm sure that last Olympic experience will be very different, given that it's been COVID and all of these other things. But what does that past experience mean to you coming into Sapporo this year? I think having won Olympics under my belt really um, makes me think less of the Olympics as like a whole big experience and more so as a competition, trying to do the best that I can at it. I'm not so focused on kind of taking it in and trying to learn from it. I'm focused on showing up and doing the best that I can on that day. And, you know, no matter what sort of fitness I'm in, trying to place my best, I'm not um, necessarily using it as some um, focus for the future. I mean, this is, for all I know, this might be my only uh, chance at it. So I just want to go and um, take what I've learned in the past, hopefully, and uh, hopefully it'll help me now at Tokyo. Again, I know that this will be a new event for you at the Olympics, but given that you are sort of the uh, the veteran of the group in terms of having been to the games before, do you have a you know biggest or best piece of advice for your two compatriots here heading into Sapporo about how uh, how they could be successful and, and enjoy the experience? Well, I don't think this will be too difficult in that we're all like not going to be in the village or anything. It's, I think in a lot of ways, this is going to feel like a normal marathon for all of us. But uh, I guess just remember that like we've all earned our spots here and uh, remember you you belong and anything can happen on the day. Like don't sell yourselves short. There's a reason we're doing this race and they haven't decided what the places are going in. Like who knows what can happen. Uh, as long as we're smart and prepare well, like, Who's to say how well we're supposed to be able to do or not? Yeah, fantastic advice. And I, I, you know, I'm not suggesting it'll be quite as oppressive as this. Hopefully it won't be. But, you know, if there's anything that Lindsay Tessier taught us from the Doha Marathon, it's exactly what you just said, eh? is that you can never count yourself out and anything can happen on the day if you're persistent. So I think that really bodes well for our tough Canadians. It'll be so fun to watch the three of you. Just before I let you go, I, I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times already. It's, it's something that's so exciting for our running community to get behind. You guys are part of the new generation of marathon men in our country. I mean, you talked about, you know, Dylan and Reed and Eric, um, you know, in the past having kind of paved that way for the three of you. But I'm wondering what it feels like now to be sending a full team of men in the marathon to these 2021 Olympic Games, what it feels like to be part of that new generation and that resurgence of men's marathoning and, and what gets you excited about the future of this event in our, in our country. And Trevor, we'll talk with you first. Yeah, I think it's really exciting. Like having four dudes qualified, that's awesome. And on the women's side, having five women qualified is incredible. And even women's 5,000, women's 8,000 or 800, like, yeah, I, I don't even know if you can really put it into words in terms of like how well Canadians are performing right now. And just to be going into the Tokyo Olympics with like probably our strongest team ever, it's really incredible just to see like how hard the athletes are working, but even behind the scenes, like everybody at Athletics Canada, everybody that supports us and everybody that wants to see us do our best. Like it's a team effort and it's just great to see like the product of that taking form right now. Yeah, totally. I, I think Simon Nathan, our high performance director said that we're sending a bigger team in athletics to these games than to Rio. And there's actually fewer global competitors like allowed to the games this year. 
So between that and COVID, I mean, that's a pretty excellent sign of our perseverance as a country. Uh, and kudos to the three of you for being part of that. That's that's really exciting. Ben, you had mentioned that it's going to be really special for you being in this race with these other two Canadians. Um, is there a plan for you to sort of, you know, use that either like logistically to key off of them or at least maybe just have them in your mind um, as sort of like emotional support heading into this race? What's that going to be like for you? Yeah, I think a little bit of both, obviously. I mean, Cam mentioned he's coming up to Flagstaff and I'll be at the the camp as well. So even just getting a couple training runs in together, I think that just helps um, even just identify where we might be at in terms of a race come come the, the dire ends of a marathon. So um, I think even just, just going through a, a marathon with a sense of, uh, you know, sense of team almost. And, you know, we'll be working as individuals, as a, as running kind of is, but then also wearing the Canadian flag on our chest and, and representing together. So I'm really looking forward to, to sharing the line with the guys. And um, like you said, some of that will be just gauging off of them, whether that's mid race uh, at the end of the race, or even just at the beginning to, to make sure that we're not, you know, searing ourselves in the heat or anything like that. Um, I think there will be uh, definitely some, some interesting vibes that we can catch off of each other during the race and, and the lead up beforehand as well. Cam, you know, I know that you were sort of our, our last qualifier for the team, but if we look back, you know, going back to 2018, when you broke that longstanding, you know, more than 40 year old uh, Canadian record running that 209.25. And then of course the next year having Trevor run also uh, under that 210 barrier and now Ben and Tristan and so many other people kind of like nipping at your heels and coming along with you. What is that energy like for you being part of this group of men in this event? You know, as I know you haven't been in it yourself for that many years, but again, you are sort of the veteran of the group right now. What does it feel like to you to have maybe paved that path and now to have this group of guys all working uh, to really elevate running in Canada? Um, well, <laughs> I mean, it's great to have uh, a lot of competitive Canadians like in the event. I mean, I'm, I'm always happy for uh, more competition in general. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how far marathoning has come in such a short amount of time. You know, when I, when I went and uh, broke the national record, um, it was kind of, I guess, at that point, just sort of Reed and I, I guess, like um, with just some other retirements around that time. And um, since then, it's more than I could have imagined at that point. Um, I was kind of thinking when I did it, I'm like, well, I guess I'm gonna be by myself for a while uh here in Canada in the marathon and then the next year I have a couple guys beat me and obviously Trevor uh running sub 210 is um definitely an eye-opener for me and something I'm, I'm excited about and yeah I think it's uh speaks very highly of the people moving into the marathon you know we have some very talented athletes going into the event um, at a younger age than me certainly as well and it's funny uh, just how Ben mentioned earlier like after doing, you know, 10 marathons, I hope to still be learning. It just got me thinking, like, if you did 10, 1500 meters, no one would call you an experienced athlete, right, uh, in that event. And yet, you know, in the marathon, we're supposed to, I mean, I've done, I think, five now, and I'm supposed to be the veteran. <laughs> um, it's just very interesting outlook. Um, but yeah, you have to kind of learn fast, I think, in this event, because uh, your opportunities are uh, sort of few and far between. Yeah, th those are those are wise words and a good reminder for all of us that regardless of the event or the level, you know, the learning curve continues forever. So 
very, very sage advice. Uh, I'm sure you want to hold on to your Canadian record, maybe improve on it. I'm sure the other two guys on the call probably have their sights set on that at some time as well. But uh, it sounds like no matter what, we've got we've got a really solid group of you all working together to really, like I said, elevate the level of, of running in Canada and take it to heights that it hasn't been before. And we're starting that all off with having a, a full men's team headed to Sapporo in, in the marathon competing on August 8th. We'll be sure to let our listeners know how they can follow along with each of you. Uh, maybe you could just give us your your Instagram or Twitter handles quick before we sign off, just so they can make sure they know how to follow you. Cam, how can people keep track of your journey? Uh, I am on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I think I'm at Cam Levins for both of them, uh, but I, maybe I'll have to double check here. I'm not a s- strong user of social media necessarily, but... Uh, <laughs> Trevor, how can people follow your journey? I got the Instagram and I got the Twitter uh, at Trev Hoffbar for Instagram and at Trevor Hoffbar on Twitter and got Strava too. Excellent. Keeping it straightforward. I like it. I should add, I also am on Strava as well. There we go. I didn't, I didn't even think of that as a social media following thing, but yeah, I'm on Strava too. That's probably the most used runner social media, I'd say. (laughs) Gotta get those kudos, man. So many kudos. I know. I've got to build up those followers. Um, ben, how can people follow you? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm similar. I'm not on Twitter, but uh, I got Instagram. I think that's just Ben dot and then also on. I'm an avid Strava user as well, so feel free to follow my training there as well. Awesome. Well, Cam and Ben, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys both uh, in just over a week's time in Flagstaff as we all prepare for our uh, Tokyo Olympic birth. And Trevor, best of luck to you in Calgary before we uh, see you in Gifu. Gentlemen, thank you for coming on the podcast with us. We wish you the best of luck and we'll all be cheering for you heading into the games. Thanks so much, Kate. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Happy to be on. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the ShakeOut Podcast. You can learn more about our men's marathoners and all our Olympic hopefuls by visiting runningmagazine.ca or picking up the latest print issue on newsstands now. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ShakeOut Podcast. Subscribe to our show on iTunes and please consider leaving us a review. We'll be back next Friday with another episode of Olympic Bound Canadians. Until then, run safe and happy.